Hello, welcome to my Camino the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Straight up this week, I'm going to tell you, you're going to spend the next hour of your life listening to two musicians talk about the Camino, life, love, music, and lessons. John Denver once said, music brings people together. It allows us to experience the same emotions. People everywhere are the same in heart and spirit. No matter what language we speak, what colour we are, the form of our politics or the expression of our love and our faith, music proves we are the same. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. Pilgrims have walked the Camino for hundreds of years, seeking a transformation, seeking a solution, an answer. Perhaps they were waiting to find the next chord or note in a melody, the melody of their life, the tune that sets us apart from all others. All our lives are a melody. Perhaps we're lucky enough to have someone alongside us to provide a harmony. Or maybe we sing from our own song sheet. The Camino provides. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're thinking of walking the Camino, just do it. Do your reading, do your praying, do your thinking, wishing, hoping, and if you're inclined, do your listening to the more than 165 episodes of my Camino, the podcast. I'm a humble pilgrim, a rookie by many standards, having walked just two Caminos, and I'd love nothing more than to be there today. We all would, but in the meantime, we long for the path, the journey, both physically and spiritually. John Denver could have been whispering into all of our ears, and he didn't have been talking about music when he said, people everywhere are the same in heart and spirit. No matter what language we speak, what colour we are, the form of our politics or the expression of our love and our faith, we are the same. My guest this week is the British singer-songwriter Dave Sutherland. He's on the line from London. Welcome, Pilgrim. Uh, how you doing, Dan? Nice to be with you. How are you? All right? Yeah, I'm very, very well in this new world order. You're in lockdown. I'm in lockdown. But it's lovely to talk to someone, a kindred spirit on the other side of the world and maybe make the world a, a, little, a little smaller. How, how did you hear about the Camino? Do you remember? Um, I do, actually. I, I think, I mean, I had no clue what the Camino was or uh, anything about it at all until um, a friend of mine who I, uh, who I knew quite well was uh, talking about going on this, this walk, this, this pilgrimage that somebody else had introduced her to do, uh, an old friend of ours, mutual friend. Um, and I was going to kind of t- tag along for maybe a, a week or something. And when I started to kind of look into it, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put aside a, a month or, or five weeks or whatever it was and, and, and do this thing. And, of course, when you don't know anything about it and you kind of start looking into it, it's, uh, I mean, I, I like walking and stuff and walk around England a few places and in Wales and up a few mountains and stuff. Um, but the thought of being able to just do this long walk pilgrimage just was really appealing and once you've once you start i mean it's one of the greatest things i've I've ever done i think it's just uh just so rewarding i mean you just have the time of your life you it's just where do you start i mean we could talk about this for hours couldn't you yeah but it's just the 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 moment you arrive in 
St. Jean, and the, the anticipation of what you're about to, to embark on. And whether you can do it, that was the thing. It's like, am I going to be able to do this? I'm worried about so many things. Am I going to be exhausted after an hour and a half walking up that hill on the first day? Or am I going to be able to make it? Because you see so many people who, who struggle, uh, blisters and, you know, mm. and back, bad backs. And, and some people actually can't, can't complete, can they? They sort of, mm. they, they, they drop out or whatever. But it's... Um, yeah, so I was uh, when that's what that's how it started for me. Was kind of it was just a kind of a plan that was made, and, and I kind of went along with it and started started walking. I remember the very first day, like it was yesterday. Yeah, uh, and since uh, I think I'm I'm on number five. I think I'm on number five, Camino. I was actually planning to go this April oh. in in a week, oh. and obviously with with what was going on around the world with uh, you know this uh, crazy Corona. Mm. Uh, everything's changed. Um, my rucksack was all packed, packed practically. I sort of had to find some bits that were, I've, I've got a new pair of boots about six months ago and stuff. And I was really looking forward to maybe go again. You know, sometimes the timing's not quite right and you think, oh, I can't go now. But I was really looking forward to, uh, to go for another time, you know, cause it's, it's they're kind of addictive, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. No, it is addictive. But that very first time you'd heard about it from a friend who was going to do it, what was the yeah. catalyst that made you say, I'm going? I think, oh, I don't know. It's a tricky one, really. I had, uh, it was just to have some space to do something, not, not selfishly, but to just go and do something that I could do without worrying about anybody else and maybe just mm. do something for myself, yeah. which can't sound weird, but... No, no, that is was, a good motivation uh, though, isn't it? Why can't we do something I, for ourselves? Well, I guess so with family commitments and what how your life is, you know, going, yeah. what you're going through, various things, you know, bits and pieces, shall we say. Um, but to have that wake up in the morning freedom of, I'm just going to walk all day today and then I'm going to go to sleep and then I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that again and again and again. And it just becomes so cathartic and it just, it seems to just clear you out, doesn't it? It just sorts, yeah. sorts, sorts your mind out. Yeah. Um, and I've just, oh, cause the first one was 2011. Uh, and oddly, it was the only one I kind of walked with the same people from start to finish. There was about 10 of us in this group from guy from Northern Ireland, some American ladies, a Welshman, a couple of Germans, people from Tasmania. Uh, a couple of London people, and we kind of started the Camino and finished on the, uh, all on the same day. So we did 30, 32, 33 days, and it was we kept up, you know, passing each other at certain points. But because it was quite late in the year, I think it was October, November, we did it. So it wasn't as busy. I mean, obviously, this is that was my first time, so I had nothing to compare it to. Uh, but I just remember it being, and these I've seen loads of these people back in London. They come, you know, I drink in a a little bar in Greenwich in London called the Morden Arms. And most of them have come to visit or come for a pint in London, if they're ever in London. And we, you know, we reminisce about, do you remember that day in, you know, Villafranca mm. or wherever we were, yeah, you know. Yeah. Some of the stories were a bit unmentionable on the radio. But, <laughs> you know, some some amazing stuff. And it's lovely to see people out of context of when you met them because you're confined with these people for a month, you know, and you do run through your entire back catalogue of life with these guys. Yeah. And you find out a lot of, uh, you make strong relationships. And to see them out of context, having a pint of Guinness and having a chat, is, <laughs> it's lovely. You know, I've I really, you know. Yeah. 
and I've really enjoyed that when 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 I've seen people back in London who've who've come from as far you know from America, uh, Australia, and um, Tasmania as well. A couple, a couple ended they came to have a, have a pint one night, and they ended up staying in London for a year. Wow! Around the corner, yeah, you know, and it's just little things like that, and. I think that's really special. It is really special. My friend Carl Sticklemeyer told me about you, and I was in the okay. United States a couple of weeks ago. He said, you have to hear this guy's music, Dan. Well, as it would happen, I was sitting with a glass of red wine that very night, listening to your album okay. On the Waiting List. And I was yeah. I was absolutely blown away. And I, I mentioned to this before we began the interview, the sound, the quality of production is exquisite. And, and, and I have to say... Um, it makes listening really easy. The songs are very well crafted. I thought it was a. I think it's a fantastic album, to be honest. But let thank me, you very much. Let me ask you a very simple question. Sure. From my end, but it might be a little bit more difficult from your end. Where does the songwriting inspiration come from? I think that is such a very difficult question. I. I, I don't. It's hard to answer. I think it's just about writing something that's. It's storytelling, basically. I think songwriting, the kind of stuff I do. It's uh, you have an idea and you try to put it into words, uh, and and the me- melody. I mean, I'm a melody guy, really. I was a bit of a singer when I was younger, like choirs and all that sort of stuff. You know, right, right. My, I think my voice is broken four or five times since throughout my life. <laughs> I think I was um, a bit of a choir boy to start with. So there was always the melody stuff going on, and then the words sort of came along and then it's just life experiences I think or something yeah. happens and I try sometimes find I can write uh, a story to something or an, an observation maybe you know mm. I don't really know it's a difficult question isn't it I guess same for yourself how what what's how does it some people say does the words come first does the music come first generally the music for me well actually always the music I, I don't think I've ever written a song with writing the lyrics down first you know uh, some people do that. That's the only way they can do it. It's just a, I don't know, it's a funny, organic um, way of creating a piece of music, I think, you know. so I think that's a very good answer. It is organic. And when you think about what organic means, it means it's something, you know, earthy. It's something that you can't quite grasp. When an idea pops up these days, I pr- pr- jump on it pretty quickly. I never... Quite you know, years ago, I would just sort of, oh, that was a good idea. I've forgotten that now. Uh, so I, I do quickly do loads of little quick records on my phone and store them away and then maybe bring them out when you need to work on them. I, I wouldn't write, say I was a like, prolific songwriter where you work all day from nine till five or whatever. Yeah. I, I might do three songs in a, in a week and then nothing for six months and then it builds up that way, uh, you know, so... Uh, a lot of people can just keep writing all the time, don't they? Yeah. I think something, spark, something does spark it off, something, an emotion or something, or something happens and you go, duh, 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 whatever, and you go, right, get the guitar quick, let's press play and record. Yeah. Let's see what comes up. Did you write music on the, commu- the Camino? I did. I didn't at all, actually. I think when I... I didn't even sing a note. I didn't even, on the first one, I just wanted to get away from absolutely everything and close my mind off to what, where, what I was doing and just to walk and just to see the nature and feel the tiredness at the end of every day and just to have an accomplishment for something else, just to be able to say, oh, I did this today. We walked 25 kilometres or we walked 30. And I think 
sometimes you think, oh, can I walk a bit faster? Or not faster, but a bit further. And I think we even did a couple of 50Ks one day, you know, which was, if you can't plan to do that in the morning, you don't get up and think, well, I'm going to walk 50 kilometers today. You, you do, you get to lunchtime, you think, do you know, I feel pretty good. Let's, should we keep going? Yeah, okay, let's walk a little further. And then the sun starts to come down and, and you see, you know, Spain in all different parts of the day. Um, and so it's just that sort of feeling of traveling through. I yeah. mean, the, the, this, it's just lovely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But walking 50Ks in a day, you wouldn't have got into your, your, the town that you were walking to until quite late. Were you ever worried that you wouldn't get a bed? Uh, no, I, I mean, I would sleep in the street if I had to. I mean, yeah, so right. I've slept on a couple of benches sometimes. I mean, we slept on a haystack once, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think some people quite need the albergues. And, you know, people sometimes send their stuff ahead. I was kind of, let, I'm carrying my life on my shoulders and I'm going to just keep trucking. Uh, and if I find somewhere that I could just lay down, I could just lay down. I think in the field or wherever, you know, or on a bench, or I used to. It used to be, and just you could just lay down and see the sky. I mean, it was amazing. You just see the Milky Way yeah. and a billion constellations, and you just feel very That's insignificant insane. just laying there. I think I fell asleep once in a field, and I think it's the plow, the constellation. The plow was to the left of me, and then when I woke up three or four hours later, it completely twisted upside down and was on the right hand side. Wow. And I'm just thinking, I'm just laying on this planet. Looking up, and I've just watched the the you know the universe go by, and that's quite. You don't get that when you're walking down, you know, the high street in London mm. uh, with the, the rat race, and you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's very calming, and it just makes you feel very small and insignificant part have, of what's going on. Have you written the song "Watching the Universe Go By," or can I just steal that idea that you? Just you can came have up with? that one. <laughs> that's a freebie. You can have. You can. You can have that one. But to answer your question, yeah, no, I did. I didn't read. Um, I didn't. Uh, do anything musically on the first couple of Caminos. Um, I did start to sort of doodle a song now and again on on the third one I did. I think, well, I was by myself this time and I'd be, you know, dum, 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 whistling away and thinking mm. little tunes and stuff, um, which uh, was helpful, you know, and I'd make little notes and then I'd, when I was back in England, I'd be saying, okay, that was that idea, let's, uh, and remember from where, where the inspiration was coming from, whether it was, you know, the moon coming up or the sun going down or, you know, and the way the sky was and the way the, you know, sp the Spanish countryside was. And then I'd be missing home as well, so you'd be singing, you'd be thinking something about London or wherever, Ireland perhaps, or, so the inspiration would come from things like that, you know. Yeah, the, the the inspiration comes when you least expect it, and I think that's the beauty of it. Um, and you really need to be open to it. Tell us, tell us about your musical journey, Dave. When and where have you always been a musician? Tell us your musical journey. Uh, okay. Well, I think perhaps. I started, um, I was always like a bit of a little singer. I was always singing along to songs and stuff. I remember being, like I said, uh, in the choir at primary school. And then I sort of learned a few chords on a guitar, perhaps. And But there was always music around. My, my mum, she's an Irish. So there was always that bit of Irish music flying around the house. And, you know, holidays to, in the summer to Ireland. So there was always that 
acoustic, you know, folky music kind mm. of, yeah. which was in me. Uh, and I remember going to uh, where I live in South East London, meeting other musicians one time in a, in a pub. I think I was about 19, 20. And you could just, it was like, wow, this is just amazing. There's loads of different players playing the blues, you know, slide guitars, banjos, fiddles. Uh, and I got into all, you know, I think I'd written one song that I sang every week at this kind of open mic thing. I think, I don't think they were called open mics back then, but it was kind of a, an acoustic evening. And I would sing my one song every week for about a year. Uh, and then finally write another song and then another, and then it kind of, I worked out, I could do, maybe I should make a, uh, a little album or, you know, an EP or I think I did a, I think I've recorded and put a cassette out <laughs> long yeah, ago. Yeah, fantastic. But, you know, and then I started to meet a few. I remember I got offered to do, I think I had four or five songs that I would travel around London playing in different places. Uh, and somebody saw me playing and they said, well, do you want to, uh, maybe you want to open for this guy, There's this fellow called Bert Janch, who was huge folk legend. Uh, and I ended up, he ended up producing... Uh, my first album, my first proper album that I did. Awesome. I meant to stay at his house a bit. And uh, Bert was a kind of an interesting guy, um, a little bit crazy, uh, but an absolute lovely man. Um, and I was still green around the gills. I really didn't know what was going on. And I kind of just did my songs and we recorded them. I did um, a, a Camino link to that would be, I did uh, a song called Navigator, which Bert produced. And I, I remember, I'm trying to think where it was. I'm going to look in my book now because I think it was, I was walking down from, let's have a look where we were, down into Molisoneca and you oh, come yeah. down the hill into, yeah. that's quite a steep hill. Yeah, it is. And I was just singing away, just as I said to you earlier, just little tunes to myself. And I remember walking past a lady and a, and a daughter, uh, just on, you know, Buen Camino, and I carried on down the hill. And a couple of hours later, we were... Uh, sitting in the same alberga in adjacent bunks and she she sort of kindly said oh i really like to listen to, listening to you singing your thing today i went oh that's very kind um just they were from america and um she said oh what was your name and i said oh dave and she said do you ever get to america i said oh yeah i love going to america as a player i've done you know two or three tours a year a few years back and stuff she said oh she said, what was your surname and i said oh sutherland and at, at which point she kind of froze. And I thought, well, this is strange. And she's, she looked at her daughter and she said, um, this, this is the guy, this is the guy. And I'm like, what, what's, what's she talking about? And she, apparently she'd, um, she'd heard that, that song, Navigator. But she, um, she went to, uh, her mum had gone into like a, a hospital to, to, to pre-op room to have a small operation or something on her eye, she was telling me. And the pre-op guy was playing that song, Navigator, no. to calm her down. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? I couldn't believe it. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Her mother just sadly didn't make it, passed <gasps> away, and that was the last piece of music she no. ever heard. I mean, what are the chances of walking down the side of this hill in My Spain on the Camino? Gosh. Yeah, so... Um, so we had a bit of a cuddle and a cry, and I said, oh, my God, this is an unbelievable story. And I said, surely this is, she's either a wacko. <laughs> uh, but she's, you know, we've been in contact ever since. She's wrote me a few letters and stuff. But she was trying to find, because they spelled my name wrong in America quite a lot. They, Southland, they spell it with an O-U-T-H. 
So she couldn't find who, who, who it was. She went back to the pre-op guy and said, apparently he'd seen me playing in Austin or somewhere, and he bought that album that this guy Bert had produced, and that, and that song Navigator that um, she'd played for her mother. Uh, and that was the, probably the strangest and most amazing thing that ever happened on the Camino. You don't expect to bump into anybody, let alone walking down the side of a mountain one afternoon. Crazy. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, just a great story. Wow. Well, that's... It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, I forgot yeah. about all that. I was just, just jogging my memory talking about the song, yeah. I think then it was only the second song I'd ever written. You know, it was a little folky thing, and a friend of mine, Martin Brown, played some gorgeous mandolin on it. I think there's a, there's a, there's a clip of us playing it in New York somewhere in the studio 25 years ago, 20 years ago. We're all very young looking. But that was the song that this lady had... Uh, yeah, so she sent me a little letter. You know, she sends me a letter now and again. And, uh, wonderful, off, wonderful. I, I, we, had, we had dinner that evening, and then I never saw her again. Um, I think I was walking. She was going a slightly different pace. But we had, I remember we had dinner that evening and we had a chat. And, but it was quite weird and very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and I almost forgot about that. But yeah. I suppose it's one of the most uh, That's weird Camino plays. No, 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 that is a great story. That's a really beautiful story. And for a songwriter, things like that happen from time to time, rarely. But when they do, they're very, very special. They're very, very special. And they, they really put... Wind in your sails. It's a terrific. It's a terrific experience. I do. I do remember walking the following day, feeling light as a feather, and yeah. really sort of. I was no quite moved by it. Obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it means a lot to people. And I told a few people. I think that, like you know, Blanc Camino. Guess what just happened to me? You know. Yeah. I think people probably got bored of that story by the end. By the time I got to Santiago, <laughs> I get Dave the geezer with a song about you know, but <coughs> with me, it was. Um, yeah, because you end up chatting to people in a, in your hi, where you're from. It's a, it's a general start, isn't it? You know where you're from, oh, and then you work out if you've been to that place or yeah. if you know some. It's always good trying to find out if some you know somebody. Oh yeah, John. Yeah, I know John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From, from wherever, but this that was a bit closer, obviously, with uh, how wonderful with mother. But there you, you go. I was listening to on the waiting list. Um, that night, and you did a, a version of one of my favourite songs, actually, the Town Van Zant song, If I Needed You. Oh, my God, yeah. What a, what a song. What an absolute beautiful song, isn't it? Well, Emmy Lou Harris' uh, version of that um, yeah. is, is just, every time I hear it, it's like, it, it takes me to a different place. It's just so fantastic. I thought I'd just ask you, what does that song mean to you? Who were you singing for? Oh, that is a good question. For, for starters, I heard that via somebody else. It wasn't, I never heard Towns sing it. Into, I mean, Towns, he's an absolute legend. I, I'm oh, not, my God. Got a, this is fairly blasphemous. Is I'm not the biggest Towns fan of all time, I've got to say, but I love what he does. Yeah. But I'm not a massive, massive, massive fan as, as I would be, say, for, for John Prine, who mm. sadly... Passed away oh, yesterday, I think, wasn't he? So that, I know. Don't, we're, we're all, it's all killing us. It's all killing us. Yeah. But If I Needed You was sung by a fella I'd saw touring the States and we were opening for him and he played that and I was like, oh my God, what is this song? Instantly stole it, found out it was written by Towns. 
Uh, there's, it's quite a fast version Towns wrote it at, I think, and then everyone's done a cover of it, I'm sure. Uh, you could probably get a hundred versions of that song, but well, I just sort of slowed it down and kind of, it was some nice pedal steel on there, but mm. I think when we went to the studio, that was the song that we all played to warm up kind of thing. I think we arrived there late Friday night, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock or whatever, and we just stuck our head in the studio and the steel was set up. I said to uh, the pedal steel player, Gunnar, should we just run through a tune? You know, if I needed you. And away we went and we said, well, this has got to go on the album. We, we weren't planning on that, but it came out lovely. It's just, I'll sing it for most gigs. People know that song. It's just lovely, isn't it? It's a nice no, it's, song to it's, sing. It's, it's, so it's melodic, it's simple, yeah. it's beautiful. The bit about the two geese and mm. the, these little, uh, mm. I mean, just a fantastic songwriter. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, it, it's one of those songs, along with, and you just talked about John Prine, along with Angel from Montgomery, and and it's just one of one those of my favourites too. Yeah, we sing that yeah. quite a lot. I mean, yeah. dear old, dear old John. I mean, we're, we're, there's so much. I, I met him a couple of times, you know, and that's indelible. Of I, you just, I'm in the same room with John Prine. You know, hello, John. Hey, Dave. You know, so cool. You know, I'm I'm gonna probably put a little thing up on Facebook. A lot of people are putting their songs up. We put. Um, a couple of clips of some of his songs we did up yesterday, but it's what a, what a, what a songwriter John was. Oh my days, you know, he's just. Next I think people were singing singing his songs on the Camino. You know, they were singing yeah. Angel from Montgomery walking yeah, down, yeah. The, yeah, walking yeah. up the road. You know, you got a fifteen k dead straight road. What are you going to do? You're going to sing a John Prine song, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I certainly did. Let's let's go to the Camino. Let's talk about that. The Camino, the way of St. James. D- did you plan ahead? Were you a spreadsheet pilgrim? Did you know where and when you'd spend, a- spend the night? Absolutely, absolutely 100% not at all. It was, let's walk till we're tired and then find somewhere to stay. Yeah. And because it was the first, the first one, 2011, and it was later in the year, it was some places you decide to walk and you go, well, stop there because you had the book, you know, and you go, yeah. well, we'll, we'll stop there. Closed, Cerrado or whatever, everywhere was closed. And then you've got to walk another 5K to the next place. So there was always that we're not quite sure where we're going to end up today, you know, uh, yeah. and occasionally we'd be fine. And then other times you wouldn't find anywhere for another and you're exhausted and you think, well, shall we just stay? And to find a bed at the end of the day, I mean, it's just fantastic, isn't it? Because you're exhausted and tired. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But no, I didn't plan it at all. I've, ne- I've sort of never done that. I've kind of, I've, I've kind of quite like walking really early and then get to lunchtime and a lot of people would kind of stop. But then I would, walk again in the afternoon and you'd have the whole place to yourself basically the whole Camino would just be me and the Camino and you'd walk and your head and the sun would be coming right on you and you could almost get a little delirious couldn't you and then you just think well I've got to stop soon and you think well it's 7 o'clock at night and you've done done 45k uh, or whatever but the, the feeling is when you stop and you sit down and you have a beer and the steam's coming off of you, isn't it? And the flies stop. <laughs> and you take your boots off and you think, God, I stink so bad. You know, but I'm not, I'm not going for a shower. I'm just getting into bed because I'm so exhausted. And you get up and you go, do you know what? I'm just going to start walking. And you can do that for four, three or four, five, six, seven days. And God, that's why they have that big thing at the end, you know, where they swing the, uh, 
The butt of the mural. Is it the frankincense? Yeah, to get rid of the, the yeah. smell. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, I, I've got here uh, a, a series of questions that I, I sort of, I don't know, I, I, I change from time to time, but more often than not, I, I ask the same people the same questions. But it, okay. it, it's kind of like a lucky dip of questions that I keep <clears throat> on my computer. Did you wander into churches, Dave? I did to some because there's how many churches are in Spain? You know, we're talking triple figures yeah. and some. You know, they're everywhere, aren't they? Um, I've, obviously, I'm not a, a crazy religious kind of. I mean, Irish Catholic upbringing, blah 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 blah. But I, my my pilgrimage was more spiritual in a way, just to sort of be able to go and do it because it's there. And with all all of the, I mean, you you can't not help go into churches, can you? And there is atmospherics that kind of wash over you and you're like, oh, my God, you know, especially the big one at the end. But the ones, little ones along the way where you just, I mean, they're just little small churches. You get two people in them, you know, these little places of prayer or, you know. But to, to, I went in, a, you know, quite a few churches, obviously, because there are quite a few churches. But um, not really as a rule to say I need to go and visit that place or, yeah. or visit that. I didn't do sightseeing, basically, with churches. No, I didn't know. What did you learn about yourself, or what do you learn about yourself when you walk the Camino? If you're now about to do five, or you have done five, um, oh, that is a good question. I, what do you find? I think you just find a bit of peace. I think you get a bit of peace and quiet. I think it gives you time to. And oddly, even with, with this Corona thing going on, it's kind of similar in that you've got five, six, ten, you know, 15 days of isolation, if you like, and you're wandering around your little area and you're not doing anything else. And it's kind of similar with walking is you're just doing that and you find space in your brain to put that little problem to one side and deal with it another day and then sort that out. And you end up coming back with, you know, your filing cabinet all sorted out in your head, you know? Yeah. Well, let me just ask you about that then. Uh, I talk sometimes about the Camino of your mind. Yeah. How do you find that journey? I think that's the most rewarding part of the whole thing. Obviously, you lose, you know, two stone, you're fighting fit and you've got one hell of a tan. But (laughs) it's a mental thing for me that is you come back and something that might have been a bit of a problem you just couldn't face or I can't be doing that today. You just deal with stuff quickly when you come back. They, They do say to you, you should try and live your life like a Camino. In real life, you would say, but obviously that's very difficult. Uh, and after you've, you know, you've been back for six months, you drift into your old ways of, you know, a little bit of naughtiness, shall we say, drinking too much, blah blah blah. Uh, and then you think, oh, if only I was on the Camino, I could. And it's, it's that's the kind of thing I get from it is when I'm walking, I do sort stuff out. Um, and I think I went every year, and I, I had a year that I missed. And I've, I felt that year, I felt a little different. It was, oh, if I could have got on the Camino, we had so much going on, you know, and it was impossible to, to go. So when I finally did go, I was so thankful to be able to just yeah. get get walking again. You know, that feeling of when you start in the morning and you walk through the arch mm. and you go, right, I've got to get up this hill. But I've done it before, so I can do it again, you know. Yeah. Just there's an interesting metaphor has just presented itself there in that in that last couple of things you said, Dave, because a musician's life is not an easy journey. Uh, but I, I find I can't n- not do it. 
I, and I imagine you're the same. I imagine you're the same. It's it's just who we are, right? Well, it's a kind of it's what we do, I guess. You sort of there's nothing more rewarding than finishing a song, is there? And you go, oh, hang on. And you play it to someone and they go, oh, Dave, that was absolute rubbish. Or, wow, that has just brought me to tears, you know, yeah, yeah. one or the other. You don't know, do you? You, you obviously no. think, well, if I'm going to sing this and write it, mm. um, it's got to be, I've got to kind of like it and make sure it's something I'm proud to get other people to listen to. But, yeah, it's, it is quite a, a scary thing sometimes, if whether you, you're not too sure and that's a confidence thing, perhaps, or you think, I mean, you hope everyone's going to like it. And eventually some people, you know, it becomes a song you play all the time, thousands of times, you know. And you think, well, where did I write that? I was just doing a doodling, walking down somewhere, I don't know, Atlanta or something. And you go, oh, that was the spot for that song. 25 years later, you're still playing it. But at the time, you're not sure whether singing a song about Depth for Broadway in South East London is a good idea at the time. Uh, but it turns into a song a lot of people want to hear, you know, so. Yeah, that's a really great answer. Um, actually, it's a perfect time for us to to listen to one of your songs. Um, and this is from the album On The Waiting List. This is Dreams About Beautiful Girls. Started at Dolan's on Saturdays, early till five. And then he's out of the joint like a bullet that's barely alive. Because he walked out of school without certification. A two pints of hoochie gets out of his station, oh yeah. about beautiful girls This didn't know you turn the start in the play on his mind Maybe a change of employment is what he should find Did a week on the scaffolds with Jimmy His hands were too soft and his legs were too skinny Oh yeah And he dreams about beautiful girls And Monday is where he was found The bell on the spring on the door Familiar sound She smiled at him It was sweet intervention He lost his nerve When he tried to mention his name about beautiful girls 
never walk by After the moment was over The moment had died You know she's for him She's his sweet ever after He's seen her tears when she's crying with laughter Oh The lyric in there that struck me, that really resonated with me, was when you said, you know she's for him, she's his sweet ever after. He's seen her tears when she's crying with laughter. That's beautiful writing, man. That's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, I, well, it's the truth, isn't it? You know, it's if, you're, if you're close to someone, you see everything, don't you? You know, it's not just the good bits. It's, uh, it's the real deep stuff. I guess perhaps was that a bit soppy. <laughs> I don't know. It's not. But it's uh, it's true. You know, it's a tr- it, where well, it's true. You know, you can see the nice things in people, but I think if you like the things that are not great about them, you have to like those just as much. Otherwise, it's not going to work, is it? You know, mm. that's what I would have thought anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really. I, and w- I t- we talked about the production value of the songs um, before the interview, and um, they are sonically very, very beautiful. Um, very, very beautiful. It's it's a really well it's so a really much. well constructed sound. It sounds fantastic. It, it, when we were recording, it, it did feel something special was was going on, and we were we lived in a tiny cottage next door to the studio on the side of a Welsh hill, and we would have breakfast in the morning. I mean, the whole package was just so wonderful that we would be relaxed and we would work all day. And we would work the sounds out, and we would all sit in, a, in this big circle with the drums and the bass and the pedal steel and various guitars I borrow. And Martin Levan would, you know, play, hit record, and, and away we would go. And we had all the lyrics for every song all over the place, you know. And it was it was really a strong 
um, I mean, I loved doing it. It was it was so much fun uh, and exhausting as well, mentally. So I remember the last overdub we did. I think my good friend Matt Percival played a, a little um, electric guitar solo over the very last song. And I think when we finished, I think we all just burst into tears because mm. it was oh, right. I've done it all I can do. It's down to the guys to mix it and you know finish the production and 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 then it was out and. It went to they released it in America, and I couldn't believe that it it went to number one on the Americana chart. We we just couldn't believe. It. I was just driving through. I was doing a solo tour, and we I got back to my manager's office in Atlanta, and they were going to check where where if it got in the chart at all, you know. And they've checked from a hundred to fifty, not in there, and fifty to twenty five, no no sign. And then there was an almighty, oh my god. You're number one, day. I couldn't. We just couldn't believe it, you know. Oh, oh, that's so all awesome. that hard work, yeah, all that hard work. I mean, the, if you're looking for validation of of what you do, that was the day I finally thought, you know what, Sutherland, you've got, you can do this, you know. And it gave me a massive boost and a whole bunch of confidence. And we've been playing that ever since. I mean, that's ten years ago now, coming up eleven years. I mean, I'm just about to finish a. Another album, which has taken a while to get together with a whole nother bunch of songs. So hopefully, you know, it's, it will, that will happen again. I've got to say that I'm nervous. You know, you can't, I'm, I, I don't get complacent. I just, like I so I'm a worrier. So I probably need to get on the Camino again. <laughs> another walk. <laughs> it's always there, isn't it? I wish I was going in a couple of weeks, obviously. But I, do you think... Because April's a nice time to go. Mm. Uh, when, when did you do yours? Were you uh, uh, like later in the year? Or? Yeah, first one was July, August. Second one was uh, July, August, September, October. But I was there in April to shoot the video for somewhere along the way. Uh, yeah, okay. And, Good and it was, see. I it, mean, that was, it was, that was amazing. That was. It was snowing. Yeah. It was amazing. But it was Fantastic. so beautiful. My God, it was breathtakingly beautiful. The, 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 it's interesting the different times of the year because at the – the later end, in the, in the autumn or the fall, you do get more fruit on the way, don't you? There's loads of grapes. Yeah. And there's loads of, um, you know, nuts and stuff mm. on the tree. But in the beginning, in the spring, there's none of that. Yeah. But you, I remember seeing loads of empty nests on chimneys and on top of things yeah. that are huge, great. And there's, there's the stalks' nests, aren't they? That's and right. you see those in April, all of a sudden there's three great, pterodactyls sitting on top of a chimney which you see you wouldn't have seen in september october you we know, didn't so. we didn't and and i've had this conversation only just a little while ago uh kathy watkins who i interviewed a couple of weeks ago had these wonderful photographs of all the storks and we didn't see them we saw the you empty nests oh. but we didn't see the storks because it was too late in the year but we did eat, so it's, we did eat the pears on the path we had well at, there you go you just get so much free food don't you you yeah, know you we eat pears along the way yeah and the you can eat all of that yeah uh, it's amazing it. isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah but uh, but to see the see the storks the second or third time i went you said wow you know there's so much nature there that's yeah it just it's amazing to see let me ask you a question. Um, it's probably personal. Do you pray ever when you walk? I don't. I wouldn't say I pray. I I, um, I think about life a lot. That's what I would do. I would sort of think about because you have time to think. You don't always have time to think when you're in your regular in your regular life. Yeah. 
And so thinking, uh, praying, is that similar? I'm not sure, but for me, I would think about, I have more time to really think and not just think about it quickly. You go in deeper and deeper and next thing you know, you've walked for 10 kilometers and you've no idea what, has just happened <laughs> but you've you've really sort of cleansed your, your yourself you know and you've just so so that would be my form of praying in that i would be able to sort of do that for myself you know you know um the camino is famous for its energy um, yeah people talk about it um and you are no doubt drawn back to it as as you've said time and again and, and there's certainly something there in Dave Sutherland's life that is very special. How do you describe that experience to someone who's never heard of the Camino? Uh, it's interesting because I found myself talking about it quite a lot, probably boring people that, oh, yeah, I do this thing called the Camino and uh, what's that? And you sort of, and they go, oh, okay, and and maybe not be interested in it. Or, and then you might, someone said, oh, God, I did that. Yeah, that was amazing. Do you remember so-and-so day or whatever? Uh, I think a lot of more people, I mean, it's been going on a long time, this thing, right? So I think a lot of people, uh, are, it's more, uh, people, more, more people know about it now, I, I yeah. think, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and you think, well, I'm glad that I did mine when I did mine because it didn't have all these new signposts or it didn't have these brand new, because it can be quite commercial in places, can't it? You know, there's a lot of places that are making a living, which is their businesses, of course. Yeah. But. It's nice to have gone through somewhere that was a bit wilder or a bit untouched. And I think it might have got a little bit yellow brick roady where it's, you know, you, you're, you're kind of shown where to go more than perhaps you used to be. So, I mean, obviously, I've not been for a couple of years now. And you think, well, wonder what's changed this time. And, and somebody would have built a, an albergue just 10 yards in front of the old albergue that is now no one in there. Mm. And that would be the place to be that evening where there was music in there or, you know, a great big banquet. And people, there's lots of stuff springing up all over the place, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I know music venues. I know the dark corners, the sticky carpet, um, the back rooms where people have gathered for generation, generations. Yeah. And I know the anxiety of filling a room as well. I know the butterflies, the anticipation, and I know the heartache and the triumph. <laughs> And yet, I love every minute of it. What? What is? It's yeah. Go on. What were you going to say? I was just going to say I I completely get that entirely. It's from if you're gigging that night, you wake up and you go, oh, there it is. That that not in the stomach. Mm. You know, I'm not playing for another eleven hours, but. You know, so I start pacing now, or yeah, you know, it's I awesome. think that's an insecurity. <laughs> but if you can channel that, yeah, and make it, it's difficult though because you think I've got another two hours. I could kill a quick, quick half, you know, quick, quick half a lager or even a pint of Guinness, perhaps. And you've got to pace yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, what I find is when when we're up and running, then things are fine. It's that initial. I'm, I'm a bit of a pace. I like to sound check early. I know a lot of, not a lot of people like to do that. I like to be there, make sure everything's ready, and then get out of there and try and forget about that and then come in ready to play. It's not always you can do that. You know, if you're at festivals, you're tuning up and on stage and then, boom, you're off, you know, um, which is another skill that's just quite tricky. They do that in America a lot. They just tune a whole band up in 10 minutes, 
you know, two fiddles and mandolins and banjos and everything. And then away you go, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have that sort of to be prepared. I mean, I've done it before. You just show up and you go bang. And sometimes they're the best gigs ever because you haven't had time to worry. No, no. But, but I, I'm very much you know, like you. I need to be. I need to be organised early and then relaxed. So because it, it's it's just the way I am. I just like to be organised. Yeah. It's just nice to know that when you play something, it's going to work and yeah. it's not going to go wrong. And if it does, you've got enough energy left in yeah to, to take care of that. If it, you know, if a string breaks, sometimes that used to be the worst thing. But sometimes you can use it to your advantage. It depends. You, you know, the audience can laugh or whatever, or you you can come up with something. You know, you've been doing it a few years. You've got a few tricks up your sleeve. Yeah. You know, this is this happening. Oh, let's try this technique or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like to be prepared. I often tune everything up before I leave the house. I'll do a little – I've got this little Fishman amplifier, which I've had for about 10 years now, which before I never had a little acoustic amp. So I was always struggling against louder instruments, shall we say, on stage. So to have my own little clarity box, which I call it, right next to my – left ear i can hear what i'm doing and so i need to make sure that that's all right before i leave the house and when you know they're plugged into a sound desk it's uh, i know at least i can do what i need to do because i can yeah. hear it really well now you know um but i never used to have that so it was always playing blind a little bit and sometimes you can't hear yourself sometimes no. if it's a big festivals or whatever and you end up getting a bit shouty <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's just about feeling comfortable in your sometimes you get a really I played a, a gig at London's Troubadour, and this, there was a guy there who was actually producing my new, the latest album, a fellow called Stacey, Stacey Parrish. He had me sounding so good in the sound check, I just didn't believe it could sound. I felt so comfortable. I just sang everything with, I don't know, it was just so clear. Again, like when, with the with the on the waiting list. Yeah. It's hard to get a good sound. You know, you've got to really... Oh yeah. There's always how does you know how do these guys do that? You oh know, yeah, you yeah. Have your own, you can have your own little thing, how you like to sound, and you just want it to because it can make your performance. Oh, it look. can give you a chance to perform. Oh, 100%. Better maybe or differently. 100%. No, no, no. That that is absolutely vital, and with it comes the vibe. For sure. You know when the the guitar is humming and you're like, yeah, this is sweet today. It yeah. makes you play better. You oh, go, wow, yeah. I've never done that. I've never done that before. How totally. did I do that? Because you and if you're sort of if it's not great, you oh, end up gosh. playing within yourself a little sometimes. But generally that doesn't happen anymore. No. Cuz no. of this nice little fishman amp. Bless yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Me no, out that's trouble. interesting. I'll be googling that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now listen. <laughs> listen. Tell us a Camino story. Well, I, I don't think I could top the one about the, the lady walking down the mountain with her daughter and her, and her mum. But sure, I, the, the the thing for me is just the w w when you near the end and you feel it's it's um, coming to an end. That's probably for me the the hardest and the weirdest, but the most exciting because you think oh, I'm going to come to the end soon, but I don't want it to end. You want it to keep going. And I, I went to the end of the, to Finisterre once, but generally I've finished at. Santiago and just get and what I like to do is get out of there quick I've stayed a couple of times and it's a kind of it's a lonely place if you're by yourself because everyone's that's that's the point when it starts to kind of close down a little bit because people are in their groups and not really want to chat to other people unless you bump into somebody you've met on the way I like to get back home and then just 
get stuck into what I'm doing back in back in England, you know. So that would be my Camino story for how I, you know, that's what it does for me is to give me that little bit of rest and a little bit of, and also because you can't do what you want to do at home, it makes you miss it even yeah. more, you know. And you think, yeah. Let's get to, hurry up, let's get to Santiago. Um, but walking with other people is the, is, is the pleasure. The people I've met, are friends for life, you know, um, and people you've only I've met on the last Camino. I met a guy and we walked together for the last week, just a, just a pair of us, a, a fella from Denmark, uh, and we do the odd, you know, I think he's, he supports Liverpool, <laughs> in mind. Um, and yeah, congratulations on winning the Champions League. You know, just a little hello now and again from somewhere yeah. around the world. You can just say hi, you know, or... yeah. Uh, or someone's doing something and you just have this bond with them. That's right. And that's the thing that, that would be my Camino story is that, that thing after yeah. finishing it because we did that. Do you remember we did that? Do you remember that day? Do you remember like yeah. this? You know, that sort well, of thing. So. Well, it was your, your Camino friend, Carl Sticklemeyer, who told me about you. There you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, how, that's how we came to be talking together today. Are you the this same, is- yeah, are you the same post-Camino as you were pre-Camino? definitely not i would say it just gives you a chance if you're if you're i often say to people if you're having a if you're having a hard time you know you'd come in i'll do you the world of good you would love it but not everyone can a afford it or have the time off work you know uh, i'll try to get i've introduced try to introduce people to say you'd love this you you know if you could just walk because people see the difference in me sometimes, I think, when I've come back because you've lost, you know, 300 pounds or whatever and you've got a nice tan and you're fit and you feel bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And if that can – because a lot of people are walking it with troubles, aren't they? Yeah. You know, there's people who are having addictions and stuff and depressions and, and things like that. And, it, you know, if, if I can um, – so, sometimes it's nice to say, do you know what, you're walking with somebody – and they look exhausted and you go, do you know what? In about another 15, 20 minutes, there's the most amazing bathroom where you can have a bit of privacy and have a nice shower because it is the best shower in that albergue. Yeah. And that's because I went there two years ago or if it's still there, you know, and you can just maybe because people were helping me along, you know, you're going, you're all right, mate. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just a bit. And they go, come on, come with us. And you end up having a drink with a bunch of Germans and you think, blimey, I wasn't expecting that to happen. And, you know, that's how you meet all these amazing people that yeah. stay in your life yeah. for forever. And we've got friends, I've got friends, and I said, when you see them, it's just fantastic to see them again. Carl told, my friend Carl told me about you, as I said, yeah. and told me to listen to your album, The Waiting List. What's on your waiting list? Blimey, you do throw good questions out, Dan, don't you? Um my waiting list, I don't know. I just want to be happy and just kind of just that's that's what I'm looking for, really. And, you know, you've got the stresses of life and family and money and stuff. So I guess the waiting list is, uh, I don't know, that is a hard question to answer, my friend. That is a hard one. What are you hoping is in the future, in the short-term future? Let me put it that way. Um, well, like I say, you just want to be happy, don't you? You just want to kind of get to a place where you think, okay, I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy with what I've got, obviously. I'm, yeah. I'm happily married now and I've got a grandson 
little nephew, you know, so all stuff's all good. It's just getting to that place where you think, I'm I'm good, you know, but life's not like that, is it? You end up, there's always a bit of trouble around the corner somewhere that you have to take care of. Um, but I think, attain, you know, attaining to, to try and uh, get a bit of happiness full-time, 24-7. Yeah. I don't know if you can get that, though, can you? I think that's a bit optimistic, maybe, Dave. But Well, but, um, but that's not a bad waiting list, right? It's not a bad sure. item on the waiting list. I'm still on the waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I, it's been a great honour to talk to you. You're, you're a kindred spirit in many ways and um, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. And, and, uh, and I you wish, too, Dan. It's yeah. been lovely. I mean, reminiscing about the old, the old place, the old girl, as I like to call her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I, if nothing else, I hope you find inspiration in what's around you, love in those around you, and solace in the fact that you've provided so much enjoyment for so many people around the world. And I hope that journey what? as a singer and songwriter lasts for years and years and years to come. Walk on. Well, Sing thank on, you so my much. Friend. Dave, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And buen camino, You're my welcome. friend. Buen Camino, Dan. Thank you for having me. Take care. My guest this week, the British singer-songwriter Dave Sutherland. You can find Dave's work everywhere, all the streaming services. His website is thedavesutherland.co.uk. .co.uk. Thedavesutherland.co.uk. John Denver once said, music brings people together. It allows us to experience the same emotions. People everywhere are the same in heart and spirit, no matter what language we speak, what colour we are, the form of our politics or the expression of our love and our faith. Music proves we are the same. I'm the luckiest man alive. Blessings from this little studio in Sydney, Australia. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Swept around the broken, rugged shore, around the broken, rugged shore, feeling free, alone, long, long time alone. It's a Drifting through this northern ocean 
navigator now A navigator now Easy words I doubt it Well I surely doubt it Cause I'm sure if you'd have whispered I'd have heard Friend